0: Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
1: God is good, and all the time, amen. It is a joy and privilege to be in God's house this beautiful Lord's Day. We want to ask, if you will, get your copy of God's Word and turn with us to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 3 uh, for a while, and so today we're going to ask the question... What does it mean to be born again? Uh, that's our question today. What does it mean to be born again? And we would uh, ask that everyone who can and is able, please stand in honor the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, came to Jesus at night, and said, "Rabbi." Now, this is a this is a uh, title of authority. This is something that's only given to the highest teachers of Israel. And so, Nicodemus, the PhD of his day, uh, the 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 one of the leading rulers of the council of the Sanhedrin, uh, calls Jesus Rabbi because uh, he knows uh, the great authority that Jesus has. Uh, I, but we do have to ask, in the written text, we, we can't pick up on body language. Did he say this genuinely, or did he say this sarcastically? We don't know. Uh, that's, that's one of the questions, because there's a difference in saying, uh, this, it's a beautiful morning today, and saying, it's a beautiful morning today, isn't it? You know, there's a big difference in how we term that. So there's, that's the question with Nicodemus. But he calls Jesus Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs, you do, unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter uh, his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever born is of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear it sound, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus? Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? That will bless your heart if you're Nicodemus. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, we speak that we know and testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this eternal life that we have in and through You because of the work that You have done on Calvary's cross and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We know that we can truly be born again by Your grace and by Your mercy. Lord, I just come to You this morning realizing that I am nothing and You are everything. So we just simply ask, Lord, that You would just take control, allowing me to speak the words that need to be spoken and holding back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, give us ears to hear, and hearts that will apply these truths to be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I can really identify with this following story. I was, uh, my wife and I were talking as we were coming back to the house the other day, and I, was, I remember the words of my uncle. My uncle, aunt, and uncle stopped by the other day, and, uh, and, and so uh, we visited for a little while. And I remember my uncle saying, uh, I, I, In my 40s, I could do the things I could do in my 20s. It just takes me a lot longer to recuperate. Now, having turned 41 this year, I can identify with that statement. I can do the things I did in my 20s, but it just takes me a little longer to recuperate and rebuild strength after doing that. Well, the story is told of Jacob and Rebekah, who were about to get married at the fresh age of Jacob being 92 years young, and Rebekah was 89 years young. And so they were about to set forth on their wedding together. And so they were walking down this town, uh, the town where they were going to live, and Jacob uh, went into this pharmacy. Now, how many of you are like me? I was fine till I hit thirty-five, and then everything started going downhill. Our our cabinet looks like a pharmacy in and of itself, right now, Amen. You know, it looks like a pharmacy in and of itself. Anyhow, Jacob goes to this pharmacy. He leans over the counter and asks the man behind the desk, behind the counter. He says, "Are you the owner of this store?" And the pharmacist says, "Yes, sir, I am." He said, "Well, I have a few questions. You mind if I ask you a few questions today?" And the pharmacist says, "Sure." He said, "Uh, "'Do you sell heart medication?' And the pharmacist said, "'Yes, we do.'" Uh, He says, "'Well, uh, what about medicine for circulation?' "'All kinds,' answered the pharmacist." Uh, He said, "'Well, what about uh, medicine for rheumatism and scoliosis?' "'Definitely,' the pharmacist replied. "'What about medicine for memory problems, arthritis and jaundice?' "'Absolutely, we sell a large variety,' the pharmacist said." He said, "'We have the works.'" Jacob continued. He says, "'Well, what about vitamins and sleeping pills, Geritol, and antidotes for Parkinson's disease?' He said, "'Yeah, we sell all of that. We have everything you need.'" Jacob uh, sat back a little bit, scratched his chin. He said, "'All right. What about wheelchairs and walkers?' He says, "'Man, we've got them in all speeds and varieties. We've got everything you need.'" Jacob looked back at the pharmacist. He looked at his bride-to-be. He looked back at the pharmacist, and he says, "'I've got another question for you.'" He said, "'What's that?' He said, can we add you as our bridal registry? That way people can come here and get everything we need for our upcoming wedding. Well, like I said, uh, it, obviously as uh, time goes on, many of us, including myself, we need the blood pressure medicine and all that good stuff. Well, Nicodemus, when he heard Jesus' words that we must be born again, he literally thought that a person had to physically be born again. And you know I, I think back, I thought, man, if I knew if I knew in my 20s what I knew in my 40s and had the energy I had in my 20s, I'd be a dangerous person. Anybody else thought that? If I knew what I knew now and, uh, and, and had the body I had in my 20s, I'd be a dangerous person. But Nicodemus misunderstood what Jesus was talking about. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Pharisaical party. And the Pharisees were a group, quite honestly, that had a lot in common with Jesus. Their biggest beef with Jesus were theological issues. They got in conversations over theology. Uh, but, the, but the Pharisees believed a lot like Jesus did. The Sadducees, however, were a political party. And they, uh, they, I believe, were more of a political party than a religious party. i tell you why. They only held to the first five books of the Bible, the law of God. They didn't be- Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the judgment of God. They didn't believe in the intervention of God. They didn't believe uh, in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't hardly believe in anything. That's why they were sad, you see, the Sadducees were. So they were a political party, and it was the Sadducees that had Jesus... Condemned. But Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he feared, he'd been a Sadducee, he feared what his colleagues would say about him being part of the Sanhedrin and all. So he comes to Jesus, and there are three times in the Gospel of John that we see Nicodemus. I believe in my heart of hearts that this encounter with Jesus made Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple of Jesus. I really do. Because later in the book of John, in John chapter 7, you see that Nicodemus is arguing the case for Jesus when the Sanhedrin, earlier in the ministry of Jesus, tries to condemn him. We also see him, along with Joseph of Arimathea, later in the Gospel of John, in John uh, John chapter 19, come with 75 pounds worth of spices to anoint the body of Jesus at 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 the very end. So Nicodemus was very sympathetic to Jesus. But he didn't understand, at least at this point in time, what Jesus meant by, you must be born again. So that's the question we seek to answer this morning. What does it mean to be born again? First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3 the command to be born again. Nicodemus comes to Jesus first with praise, calling him rabbi, a distinguished term that was only given to the highest of teachers. Now, again, the question is asked, was Nicodemus initially genuine or was he sarcastic? We don't know. But nonetheless, Jesus uh, gets straight to the point. Jesus is not concerned with flattery. He shoots straight to the heart of the matter and says, Nicodemus, quit puffing up the situation. Quit beating around the bush. You must be born again. He went straight to the heart of the situation. You must be born again. Only one who is born again can see the kingdom of God. Only one who is born again can see the kingdom of God. And you know, there's a great spiritual truth that we find in this story even in the meeting together of Jesus and Nicodemus. Notice that this encounter happens at night. And isn't it interesting? In the veil of darkness at night, Nicodemus encountered the light of the world. Think about that. In the veil of darkness of night, Nicodemus encountered the light of the world. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In Matthew's gospel, he says, you are the light of the world. What is he saying? He is saying that when this transformation happens within a heart of life of an individual, God's light shines through the lives of that individual. It shines through the life of that individual. Understand this: darkness cannot produce light. Darkness cannot change itself to light. But light can, however, turn darkness to light. We were at the depot in, in Virginia, had a cross-pended on her necklace. And, and accidentally, it dropped on the floor. And we, and I love the depot. I got to tell you, I love the depot. But we were looking around, and under the table it was dark, and we were trying to look for it. And I finally turned on the light of my cell phone, and and the light shone forth and dispelled the darkness underneath the table, and we were able to find. That necklace, that pendant that necklace, the light exposed the situation, and we were able to find it. Understand the light of God must first reveal these truths to our heart, enlighten our hearts so that we can respond in like manner to the grace of God given to us. Now I, gotta, I, gotta, I, love, I love, love, love the moon. In fact, the other, the other night uh, was a night uh, not too long ago. We were at the house, and we were looking over the church, and a beautiful moon was sitting over top of the church, just shining. It was just putting on a show that night. And there, was, there were other times where we were going down towards the house, and it's amazing how the moon rise happens over here. When the moon rises up, you're driving down 89, and the moon comes up over the trees. The first time, it caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. And it was kind of spooky because you see the light of the moon and the clouds are kind of over it. And I about had to go run to Chris and Pepper's house and say, my goodness, what's going on over here? Is there a UFO or something? No, not really. but, But it was just amazing, the light of the moon and how beautiful it is. The light of the moon is pretty bright. But the moon doesn't produce light on its own, does it? It is simply reflecting the light of the sun. And the same thing happens with us when we are born again. We don't produce this light within ourselves. It doesn't come from within us. When we demonstrate and display the light of God, we are simply reflecting the glory of God that has rested upon us just as the Shekinah glory of God would come and rest upon the temple and brighten it up. In fact, when Moses encountered the glory of God on top of Mount Sinai, his face was aglow because of the glory of God that was on us. Praise God this morning, Westfield. I'm about to turn Pentecostal here, because when the glory of God comes on us, we can display the light of God. Amen? We don't have to be of sour disposition. We can take joy and comfort and know no matter what may happen, we are the light of the world because the light of the world has shone through our heart of darkness. No amount of good works on our part can save us. Nothing we do, we can't be good enough to get into heaven. It takes the sacrificial atonement of Jesus on our behalf, His atoning work and His light shining through us that saves our hearts that transforms our lives and makes us His children and enters us into the greatest kingdom in the world, the kingdom of God. Number two, there's the confusion of being born again in verse 4 and verses 9 through 13. Nicodemus was naturally confused when Jesus said that a person had to be born again. How is this possible, Nicodemus asked. How can a person be reborn? And Jesus basically says, man... You got your Ph.D. in theology and you don't understand this. (laughs) He said, you're a teacher of the law and you don't understand this. What's wrong with you? (laughs) He said, you don't understand this truth. He shoots straight to the heart. Jesus says physically this is impossible, but this is a spiritual transformation that takes place in our hearts. This is God's awesome presence allowing us the opportunity to be saved. And understand this, if it had not been for God's decision to save us, we would have not had the opportunity to be saved. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. And not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God is so phenomenal. The more I study Him, the more amazing I realize He is. In fact, Daniel Mitchell, professor at Liberty University, he said, the more we study God, the bigger He becomes. Not that God literally becomes bigger, but our understanding of God becomes bigger. We begin to realize just how big this God really is. In fact, I'm writing a paper right now on on God and time. I thought the Trinity was hard. Whew! (laughs) This is complicated. In fact, this past the other day, I, I found out that physicists believe that there are at least... 11 dimensions in the universe. We live in four dimensions. Length, height, width, depth, and, uh, and time. that Time makes the fourth dimension. And then you have these this, this possible worlds and, and you have these different dimensions where things are different. It's just absolutely mind-boggling. And the understanding is, is no matter how many dimensions there are in the universe, God is even past those dimensions. So even if there are 30-some dimensions in the universe... God makes up 31 of them. He's in every one of them, and even past that. This stuff makes my brain hurt, quite frankly. It makes my brain do cartwheels trying to understand this stuff. This is absolutely amazing. But understand this, as great and powerful as God is, we're never going to completely understand Him. That We're not going to have all of our questions answered because God is so great, He is beyond comprehension. In fact, Miller Erickson even writes, he says, God, uh, he says uh, because humans are finite and God is infinite, if they are to know God, that knowledge must first come about by God, taking the initiative to make Himself known. If God did not impress upon our hearts salvation and woo us towards Himself, we would not have a chance to be saved. Not only did Christ die for your sins, but the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to Himself. That's an amazing love that God has for us. Absolutely amazing. If God had not revealed Himself to us, we would not have even been able to know God. Powerful stuff when we think about this. Philosopher Blaise Pascal once quipped, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all now remains in the empty print and trace? In other words, what he's saying in this is that we each and every one have a God-sized vacuum that only Jesus Christ can fill. Within our hearts, I'm going to tell you what, you may have success in life, and you may have wonderful things that take place in life. You may have amazing things that happen, but you may still not have that joy in your life. The only thing that can give you that joy is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because God gives us purpose. God gives our lives meaning. God is absolutely amazing. And then Norman Geisler even said, God can be apprehended, but he can never be fully comprehended. We can know certain things about God, but let's be honest. There's no way we could understand everything about God. And even now as I look at God, I don't even think in heaven we're going to know everything about God. I don't know that it's ever possible for us to ever completely fathom God. I don't even think it's possible because God is so amazing and so in-depth. He is so surpasses everything we can think or imagine. But understand this. The only way we can know about this salvation found in Christ Jesus is by God revealing that information to us. So even our faith itself is a gift of God. Amen? Even the faith we have in God is a gift that God has given to us. In the snowy fields of Minnesota, the story is told of a farmer who, went to, who wasn't much of a churchgoer, but he uh, went to the Christmas Eve play, uh, the children's play they had on Christmas Eve. And he heard the preacher, he heard the congregation talk about the incarnation, about how God left the throne of heaven and became one of us in Jesus Christ. And this never really made sense to him. He thought, why would God do such a thing like that? Why would God... The God of the universe, why would He care about us to want to come to this place that we live? And as he was going in the barnyard, he was going in the barn, and he was checking on his animals, he's checking on his horses, he was checking on his mules, he's checking on all the animals he had in the barn, and the warmth of that barn, they were all OK. Then all of a sudden he heard this chirping sound outside the barn. And he looked in this, on the snowy ground, and there were these birds who hadn't flown south for the winter. They failed to fly south over the winter. So he thought to himself, I need, this is going to be a sub-zero night. I need to get these birds in the barn or they are going to freeze to death. So he tried to coax the birds in the barn. And the birds were too frightened of him because he was too big and they were too small. So he thought, well, maybe I can take little breadcrumbs and place them and maybe that will coax them into the, to the barn. So he tried that and they took a few steps forward and they saw him and they, then they fluttered about even more. Well, then he says, well, i got to do something. So he takes his broom, and he tries to sweep the birds in. Well, that was a big mistake. That made them even more terrified, and so they, they fluttered out even deeper in the snow. And he thought to himself, if only I could become a bird and communicate with them that I'm just simply trying to save them and help them, then maybe they would listen. And then in a dawn, in a blink of of, of inspiration, in a moment of inspiration, it hit him. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's exactly what God did for us. God left the thrones of heaven to become one of us, to provide us salvation in Jesus' name. Many times we feel as if we need to understand everything about God to come to salvation, but understand that's impossible if you think you have to understand everything about God to be saved, then none of us will ever be saved. Because we're never going to understand everything about God. Uh, I heard one person say one time before, um, you know, we, we can't expect when people come to church to be all cleaned up before they come, because he said it's like a fisherman. You've got to catch them before you clean them, amen? You've got to catch them before you clean them. The Holy Spirit's got to catch them, and does that transformational work in that person's heart and in that person's life. Understand this transformation comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through the Holy Spirit of God. So Jesus then gives a clarification of what it means to be born again in verses 5 through 8 and in verses 14 through 15. And he first of all gives a physical clarification in these verses, verses 5 through 7. And he says that a person who is born again is transformed by the Spirit of God as given a place in the kingdom of God. I want you to understand something very important. We have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are talking about the same things, but they have a little nuance between the two because the kingdom of heaven seems to indicate this spiritual domain of God and the kingdom of God is talking about the physical kingdom of God on earth. I want to let you know something. This past week, I used my uh, American rights as a citizen to go vote early. And I cast my vote for the candidates I deemed I felt was best. And so I use that, and as great as a privilege as that is, I understand that I'm a part of a greater kingdom. I want to do something I probably shouldn't do. I'm going to break protocol this morning. How many of you have been saved by God? If you'd raise your hand right now. You know what? You're not only American citizens, you are citizens of the kingdom of God. And you don't have to wait to get to heaven to be part of that kingdom. You're already part of it right here and right now. A lot of Jesus' teachings is He tells us that His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has come on earth in and through the work that He is doing. You are part of that great kingdom. And we as believers, we as Christians are called to be His ambassadors, to do wonderful things in Jesus' name in and through the work that He's called us to do. Understand also the kingdom is a sovereign reign. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to have God sovereignly rule and reign over over everything because guess what? He already does. God is greater than any king. God is greater than any dictator. God is greater than any president or governor or mayor or you just keep the list going. He's greater. God is sovereignly in control of all of creation and if God took his hand off of creation, everything would fly apart at the seams. We only live, we only breathe, we only exist because God gives us that ability to do so. Our citizenship is in God's kingdom. And then lastly, we see a spiritual clarification. In Greek, the word pneumos is used for both the wind and the spirit. And Jesus says, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up for all to see. Now he's quoting Numbers 21 8 and 9. And what happened at this time is that uh, the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were being snake bit. They were being bitten by these poisonous snakes and many of them were dying because of the snake bites that they had received. But God told Moses, lift up this bronze serpent and anyone who looks upon this bronze serpent is, is going to basically say to me, I trust you, God, that you can heal me of this infirmity and by doing so the people who looked to the bronze serpent were healed. Jesus is like that bronze serpent on a hill for all to see. That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, he says, shall be saved. And just as the serpent was elevated up, so Jesus is elevated in his, um, in his, ex- in his exaltation by the cross. So look to Jesus who can both heal and save us and trust his empowering Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. If you've been saved today... Sin no longer has a stronghold on your life. Do you know that? So many times we live defeated lives. We think that we have to keep on sinning, and we pass it off. We say, "Well, we're just sinners." Now, yeah, we are in the we are still. In, I know we still have a body of sin. I know we're going to be inclined to do so. But understand that God has broken the stronghold of sin in your life. You no longer have to live like a captive to sins. The, the sin's throes. You have been redeemed by the grace of Almighty God. You have been freed from its captivity and freed to live a life of holiness, love, joy, and truth because of what Christ has done for you and is doing through you. Let me close with this. Being from Pilate Mountain, I, I uh, often took things for granted when living here, but there's something when I come back here uh, that, that I've really, really thoroughly enjoyed something i just didn't pay attention to when i when i first lived here and that's whenever i take grayson to school at westfield elementary i go down uh uh tom tom what is it tom hill road is that right tom cook road tom cook road and then go down there and then you have the little you know curves like that you got a little stretch where it's like you're part of the uh, one of those, uh, what was it, indie cars or something like that, where they go, you know, like that or something, you know. So anyhow, you got a little stretch. But as I'm going through there, getting ready to turn on Kane Road, there's a beautiful scene. As you look off to the right, you can see these beautiful mountains. And, and sometimes I've noticed that the, that the clouds will kind of rest upon the mountains, kind of like this picture you see here. The clouds will merge in with with the mountains, and it is a picture no artist could draw, no artist could accurately paint. It is an absolutely beautiful scene. The heavenly clouds come down and merge with the mountains of rock. And beloved, I would submit to you that that's exactly what happens when we're born again. The Spirit of God descends and rests upon our hearts we are born into God's kingdom. He transforms us. He saves us and gives us us new spiritual identity with Jesus Christ in and through the Holy Spirit that no one could ever take away. Let me leave you with three thoughts. Being born again is not based upon a human action, but is a response that comes by the moving of the Holy Spirit in one's life. Salvation is an act of God. Number two, we are part of a kingdom that is grander and is more everlasting than any nation or kingdom on earth. While we need to be proud to be part of the nation in which we live, we need to take an even greater admiration and even greater pride being part of the kingdom of God, which we're already citizens. You're already a citizen of the kingdom of God if you're saved and born again. And lastly, we do not have to wait for God to be sovereign over all the world. He already is. The only problem is, is not everybody recognizes it. But one day the Bible tells us Jesus is going to return. And at that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all and that God is sovereign over all creation. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today... And you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to come and receive Him before it's eternally too late. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you're carrying a burden in your heart and your life. And maybe you just want to lay it down at the altar and give it over to God. We encourage you to do that as well. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the membership of this church. Again, whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to respond as the Spirit of God calls. The kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for Your bountiful blessings. God of all creation, who is greater than the universe, who who holds the molecular structure of the universe together, who even holds time itself together. You have demonstrated Your love by going to a cross, dying for our sins so that we could have life in and through You. Lord, if there's anyone here who may be struggling with a certain issue in their life, maybe there's someone here who's never received you. We ask, Lord, that you would just work upon their heart, have your will in your way, and bless over this time of invitation. We ask all these things in Jesus' Please stand.
0: views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristy.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christy Podcast is a production of BellatorChristy.com and is protected under Creative Commons Copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment.
1: Bellator Christie is now on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie and catch the podcasts as they're recorded live. And you, there you can interact with the content, ask questions live on the podcast, and your questions may be included. If you don't make the live podcast, be sure to go to BellatorChristie.com and click Submit Your Question, and your question may be featured on a future article or podcast. Again, we thank you for your support, and thank you for listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast.